This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's political and everything beyond on Beyond Politics. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, is this the, the, the 80s, 90s version? Oh. Yeah, it is. Oh. They won the World Series when they had this song, though. Yeah, but I, I don't have parachute pants anymore, man. <laughs> Everybody get a Zima. <laughs> oh, God. No. That's okay. No. It, it, you got, oh, we got, we got you find don't the like original. the 80s. Not, this was your era, though. Okay. Oh, if you've not missed, I was a little counterculture back then. I wasn't exactly, you know, <laughs> I love that new Dionne Warwick song. Now, nothing is Dionne Warwick, you know. Uh, you know, do you know the way to Santa Fe? I, I, I loving some of that stuff. But <laughs> there was a lot of crap music in the 80s that sounded a lot like that. We're hip and ready to go and drug free. Yeah, okay. No. All right. I oh, love the Reagan 80s. Bro. Oh, Reagan 80s. I was it was went, going a little bit longer there. Hi, <laughs> it's the Matt McNeil show and boy oh boy, I wish I had freaking something to talk about. Uh 9529466205 9529466205. Uh yeah. <laughs> we are watching just a train wreck at the US House right now. Donald Trump just got spanked by a judge, and today, in approximately 23 minutes from right now, our Minnesota Twins take on the dreaded and hated Toronto Blue Jays. Actually, I like the Toronto Blue Jays. They're not a bad team. That's a pretty good franchise up there. Uh, They are in town with a three-game series. We actually host all three games. Did you know that? Yeah, that's the the format to try to incentivize division winners to win their division. Yeah. Home field uh, always works so well for the Twins, though. In the yeah, it, it does. Although the lineup we have today, folks, it is the lineup that we need to have in there. And nothing against Byron Buxton. But this team, okay, I'll be the first thing. Let me get the Twins stuff out of the way here first. And, and Brett's going to be giving us updates on the Twins during the day. Patrick Cooligan's going to stop on in a little bit later on, talk some stuff from the Minnesota Reformer. Giving updates. I'm just checking out and watching the game. You're on Wait, your own here. Is this any different? I brought you an apple. I Maybe brought you I'll an stick apple around, from the orchard. It's like you're a, you're a horse. You know, I, you can eat that. I'll comb out your mane later. How about that? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love these guys. Anyway, um, no, you're going to keep an eye on the game and give us updates as they go through. By all means, we're all for that. Um, I was very critical of this Twins team, really up until early August, as I should have been. When they lost three in a row to the freaking Kansas City Royals, I don't care they were on the road. That was the entire Kansas City Royals highlight reel for the entire season. They underperformed, underwhelmed for, well, they played April great, and into May they were good. And then they just basically kind of just ran in place, and they just weren't good. And there were games where no one was hitting a thing. Their batting averages went from 275 down to 220. I mean, 
when I went to a game in July, I think the highest batting average on the team was like 265. Half the lineup was hitting 210 or less. They were doing bad. And then something, well, I think his name was Royce Lewis, basically, if you want to know the truth. Royce Lewis happened. And, you know, I, I think that Carlos Correa, I thought, I, I think at the beginning of the season, thought to himself, Byron Buxton and him are going to just mop up the league. I think what happened is Correa looked over and saw Royce Lewis and said, okay, now I've got something here. And between the two of them, they started storming through, and they took care of business in August, late August, into September, and here we are. They finished with 87 wins, which I was shocked they did. I thought this would be possibly the first team to ever win a division with a losing record. Because they just, but they had to play outstanding really the last six weeks of the season just to get to the point where they're at. Now, that all being said, when they announced the lineup today and Royce Lewis is in and Carlos Correa is in, Ober and Buxton are out. I said, if there's a chance for the, this Twins team to, to not only win this series, but win the next series against the Houston Astros, that this is it. This is it. So, we've lost 17 in a row. Uh, 18. 18 in a row. I think this is the team that could do it because they have the pitching to do it. They have the pitching. And it will be interesting to see what happens. Um, I know you know, Toronto is no pushover. The fact that they stayed and made the playoffs in the American League East, it tells you they're a real deal too. But I think at the end of the day, when you look at the lineups, I think the Twins are better than the Blue Jays. And they're playing at home. You should be able to take two out of three here. And they go against Barrios tomorrow, the former Twins guy who never seemed to come up clutch for that team. It, well, and he, he's, well, he pitches well against us. Oh, and that's that, and, and, and he does pitch well against us. But... As as once again, one of the things, one of the great things, was that Bremer made this point about the Twins. He said, "This is about two weeks ago." He said there was only one player on this team that was on this team exactly one year ago, that was in the lineup one year ago, and I was like, "Who? Walner? Walner was the only guy." This is a completely different team. Um, Solano, Castro, and Vasquez are the key to this team. Those dudes do stuff like Randy Bush used to do, Nick Punto used to do. They are the they're X factors. They're not going to ever lead in the stats, but they bring enough to the game to where they are those players that do it well. I'm feeling pretty good about things. Now, speaking of not feeling pretty good about things, Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> so far, it's not going vote to remove Kevin McCarthy is going on as we speak. Like I said, no breaking news at all. This is relatively unprecedented. I mean, the last time they, they had a vote to remove a speaker was, I think, 1910. Um, to watch the speeches, to watch the speeches was remarkable because the only people that really spoke were the Republicans. And you had this extremist fringe who seems to feel as if they can basically demand you're going to shut down the Department of Education. You're going to shut down the, 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 the uh, Health and Human Services. You're going to shut down every program we hate or else we'll shut down the government and things won't go. And they seem to think, they seem to think that that's negotiating. And they are stupid enough to – and whoever they put in, they're going to demand do that. And when in six weeks, if it is Tom Emmer or – 
Chip Roy. Did you see that? They were floating freaking Chip Roy as the next speaker. <laughs> Dear Lord, whenever that next speaker comes on out, and I mean, I, I think that unless McCarthy wins, I think there is no doubt in my mind the government shuts down mid-November, and I don't think it's going to open again for months. They're going to get numbers in June of next year, which show them getting annihilated in the election. And then they're going to say, we voted to reopen up the government because we proved our point. And they're going to basically have to concede on everything to get everything open because they'll, they can't go into the election season not having anything there. They So you, you have the, the anti-McCarthy group screaming like he should have basically gone up there and started punching Joe Biden in the head. Why didn't he punch Joe Biden in the head? That would have sent a message. Yeah, as the Secret Service pulls their weapons. <laughs> the pro-McCarthy people are even more delusional. Let me tell you about all the things that Kevin McCarthy has done. Well, he's been speaker. We address the border issue. We stop the drugs. We've got oil production through the roof. And he's stopped Biden at every turn. Wait, what? What? Wait, wait, wait. What? You, you didn't do a damn thing. Outside of some fraudulent Biden hearings, what have you guys done at all? But they act as if it's the second, a Republican version of FDR with the new freaking deal. And I don't know who's more delusional. I really don't. The McCarthy supporters seem to think that he has done something which he just hasn't done. He's just not even close. The anti-McCarthy people are basically, you know, we should be able to bring guns. And when someone votes against something we don't like, we should be able to shoot them in the head. And, 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 and that's just that. I mean, this is where we're at now. Let me give you an update on the voting. Uh, right now, it's 76 votes to remove Kevin McCarthy, which is 72 votes for the Democrats, five votes for the Republicans, 70 to keep him. I've actually made the point. I said, you know, it might be actually better. I'm trying to think about what would be a better natural disaster here. Let them try to put a Chip Roy in as Speaker of the House. But the reality is, is I think that if they put in a psychopath far right out, even Tom Emmer, I think that these moderates would even be more they, – they would be more whipped into obeying that 30 far-right Republicans in the House. If I'm the Democrats, I almost say withhold because you can change the margins by just voting present. And if I'm the Democrats, I hold off on votes and I basically just say present and basically – you you come back and you 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 basically make sure enough Democrats vote present. Don't vote for him. Just vote present to take where the ratios come down and McCarthy stays because you know as well as I do that will be a just a catastrophic wasteland. I mean an absolute catastrophic wasteland. Oh, God, you can only dream, can't you? Eighty-two seventy-seven to get rid of them. So far, no Democrats are voting present. So that is, I don't, I don't think McCarthy survives this. I wonder how many ballots it'll take if he does get this back. 
How many did he have at the beginning of the year? Oh, no, this is a one-time vote. Either oh, it's he, one-time. He, oh, they, he, either he passes or he doesn't. I thought the Republicans said they were just going to keep nominating him, even if he lost. Well, and, and you know, it could be another – I mean, it's – we are looking at something historic here. I mean, it, it, yeah. in the history of the country, in 100 years, people will look back on the disaster that was the Republicans in charge of the U.S. House and their inability to lead in any capacity. And that's just going to be taught in every history class in the country. I, I got to tell you the truth. This is – I can't wait for Stein to get here tomorrow. This is an absolute catastrophe for the Republicans. This week alone, you've got – let's talk about the other issue. Trump in New York who had a judge – and let me, let me pull up that story there. Uh, Trump ordered not to comment on judge's staff in fraud case <clears throat> from the New York Times. A New York judge placed a limited gag order on Trump on Tuesday after the former president posted a message to social media, t- media targeting the judge's law clerk. Mr. Trump attacked the clerk, Allison Greenfield, shortly before noon on his Truth social site. The post was a picture of Miss Greenfield with Senator Chuck Schumer, the Democratic majority leader. Mr. Trump mocked Mr. Greenfield as Schumer's girlfriend and said the case against him should be dismissed. The post was taken down during lunch break shortly after a closed-door meeting in the room where Mr. Trump was being tried. Justice Arthur Engren uh, explained that what happened after the break, though he did not name Miss Greenfield or Mr. Trump, referring to him only as defendant, Personal attacks on my members of my court staff are unacceptable, inappropriate, and I will not tolerate them under any circumstance, he said. So basically, he, is just told, he just told Trump, try it. I will throw you in jail. And, you know, you know and, and let's be honest. Donald Trump is trying to get one of his loonball supporters to murder her. That is what he is doing. He is at such a, a, a point in his situation <coughs> where he basically... He doesn't have any options left. So he is desperately hoping that his supporters start executing the people he says to. And, of course, he's a whiny little snit who will, when when someone actually does try to pull a trigger on someone, will say, I don't know where you got the idea after I said someone should murder them that I wanted them murdered. Oh, by the way, I'm so glad that guy tried to murder them. I mean, that's Donald freaking Trump. But it should be noted he is on trial here for undeniable fraud. Undeni- He's your Republican frontrunner. He just was told by a judge to stop threatening the staff of the court. And here's a little gem that I've caught that I'm surprised and shocked. Shocked. Shocked, I say. No one else has really kind of reported on. Mar-a-Lago is tax estimate is at $18 million. $18 million. Their assessment was $27 million. So still a little off base. But Donald Trump today came on out. And what he said was, I could get a billion and a half for this. I could call. And he said, he said a few days ago, I could get the Saudis to buy this for a billion and a half. And I want to stop and just, okay, what, what? So you're saying at the drop of a hat, you're so compromised that the Saudi government will quickly give you a billion and a half dollars for a piece of property that's worth at best 18 million. And you think that that means that that wasn't, there was no fraud. The fraud is what are you going to do for the Saudis to give them a one billion, for them to give you a billion dollars with no questions asked? There is a remarkable level of admission that's going on from him right now. 
you you all you have to do with him is listen to what he's saying and you'll hear that he is oh I'm in the bank for Russia I'm in the bank for the Saudis I will do whatever these dictators want to do and he's admitting it it wasn't fraud because the Saudis will give me a million and a half for it if I ask for it yeah how in the world is that not being covered as an admission of extreme compromised and i get it you're a trump fan like well i'd love it if someone came to my house and basically said that uh you uh you you, you, you we're going to give you a billion dollars for your house that's worth the two hundred thousand dollars i i don't think that that's bad at all i think that you know sucker beware you know that sort of thing and as it was pointed out yesterday Donald Trump's whole admission is that on the documents that he has put forward, whenever he did a sale and he did these things, he basically put in there, you can't trust us on anything. We, you, you must assume we're lying when we talk about the costs and the, the evaluations of these properties. It, it's As the judge said yesterday, or back when he, when he, he called him guilty before the trial, he said – when you're a real estate developer and you knowingly lie about the size of your apartment repeatedly for years and years and years, that's inexcusable. It's not one time I put it on a form, it was wrong. Every time you put it on the form, it was labeled as three times larger than it was. And you should, you're a real estate developer. You should have known what the size of your own apartment was. So. Uh, needless to say, a, just a smidge of a busy day. Let's uh, go back to the vote as we go here. Uh, currently, oh, Kevin McCarthy is taking the lead now to stay in office. 115 to 113. We'll have, hopefully, before too much longer, an update and a reminder. By the way, one thing for Trump, I'm going to say for the end of the show, courtesy of, of, of uh, his former chief of staff. Because I got a special little message for that little orange turd, and I can't wait to give it to him. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's McCarthy Watch 2023. Now, this is the second time we've done this in 2023. Okay, McCarthy Watch 2 2023. Electric Boogaloo. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. You know, I, I'm good at math here, and you are as well. Um, they've got seven repo- Republican votes already against McCarthy. That's it. I mean, if every Democrat votes against him, he's done. Because they have what? Is, it's five, isn't it? I think it's five, yeah. yeah. The question I have is, you know, Will, is, is are there any Democrats that will jump the line and, and vote to keep McCarthy in? We'll have to see. But... Uh, I, I love the line from Sarah Burris from Raw Story. She made the point. She goes, if this was Boehner as the speaker, he would have beaten down these clowns in one day. He would have basically said, I will throw you onto every crap committee. You will never get, you know, I will, I will, I'll make sure that you are never seen or never heard from. And you better get in line or else. And it, it, Boehner would. I mean, McCarthy's absolute ineptitude at leading 
is really on display here. And also, I want to give uh, credit here to Mark in Minneapolis who commented and said maybe they should have a vote to remove Matt Gates. I think they could actually – if the House Republicans wanted to, they could put forward a motion to remove Gates, and I guarantee you every Democrat will vote to get rid of him. So it would be interesting to see what would happen here because uh, my, my, one, of the things, one of the things I, I'm really going to be excited about is, <laughs> is the, the, uh, the attitude of Matt Gates, who McCarthy is still going to have his loyal following. Hey, hey, you know when I told you you were the Antichrist about 20 minutes ago? You know, could you throw your support behind me? <laughs> sure. Uh, where are we at here? 133 to 136. Uh, 30, 136 is to keep McCarthy. But once again, not a single Democrat has voted so far to keep McCarthy as the speaker. And um, seven Republicans have voted against him being speaker, which once again, if – if no Democrat, you know, votes present and no Democrat votes, um, you know, uh, you know, or votes for McCarthy, well, th- this is over. I mean, he, he's going to be done. <laughs> Just pouring. Re- Republicans are a mess. And you guys, I, it's like I said, I mean, is, is there anything more prophetic than the fact that you guys don't understand how government works? That you basically sit there and think you can force anyone, that you will hurt the people of this country as deeply as you can to basically pass laws that hurt them even more. With a smile on your face, while at the same time praising mythical bills that got passed by McCarthy as this great savior. You guys should be embarrassed. And I'm not saying you have to agree with the Democrats. I'm not saying you have to agree with the Democrats. But for God's sakes, this is your party right now. Look at it. It's got the dignity of a of a you know a a Jello wrestling night from 1982. For God's sakes, there's a lot of hair in that pin. There, a lot of hair in there. Yikes! We didn't shave nearly as much as we did back then. Just FYI, we're hairier people. You guys are broken. And I, I, I think it's time for me to remind some, the, 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 the supposedly sane Republicans who still exist. And they do exist. I had Michael Broadcorp on. He's our Vikings guy. We talked to him. He and I don't agree on a lot of things politically. But, my God, we can actually have a conversation about things. And sometimes I'll admit he's right about something, and sometimes he'll admit I'm right about something. We can come together, and you want to know the truth is we understand that this is compromise. That's how you do it. It's sausage making. That's politics. In the 1840s, the Whig Party, and it was interesting because I I just watched – I I posted this on the Friday Link a few weeks ago about the the re-election of of Washington and how weird it was and how – Things were so undecided back then and how um, Jefferson and Hamilton were kind of going at each other. And the, the, there, was, there was a party called the Republicans, but it wasn't the modern Republicans. That didn't exist. Our, our political parties basically were birthed out of the Jefferson movement, the Jeffersonian movement. And after, you know, eventually they they became two different political parties at that point, the Democrats and the Whigs. The Whigs basically trying to compete with, at this point, the Democratic Party was very much pro-slavery. 
the Whigs feelingly had to be pro-slavery to compete, made a mandate that said that if you were to be a Whig, you had to be pro-slavery. And that drove a lot of the Whig party away and founded what eventually became the Republican Party. And then, by the way, funny story before you, you kind of think to yourself, so you were on the good side. Oh, you should go back to the 1960s. And when the, the civil rights movement was passed, you guys, the parties basically flipped. The Democrats became the party of freedom and, and liberty and, and social justice. You guys became the party of, you know, pro-white mentality. And, you know, that's how things change. But, you know, you want to skip past that little point. It wasn't easy for the Republicans to start, but they, what they was is this, that they came down to the end of the day and they said, we're just not pro-slavery. And so I'd rather leave my party and start another party, and I know it's going to be a lot of work, and I know it's going to be a lot of effort. And their first candidate, I mean, the, the first candidate for the Whigs was not, or for the Republicans, was not Lincoln. It was uh, four years earlier, uh, some kind of the trailblazer or something like this, guy out of California. It's the first time a California candidate was oh, on Fremont, ballot. Was it? it was the Fremont? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and you know and he lost and lost badly. Uh, you know, which you know to Buchanan. I mean, dear Lord. I mean, that's that's not good. But you know, they they stuck with it because there came a point where you guys found your spines, and you basically said, "No, this is not who we're going to be." Well, I hate to point this out to you, but you're at that point right now. And I get it. It's like trying to get, to get off of Twitter, that you're trying to get off of Twitter and you say, well, I got 5,000 followers on Twitter and the best I got on any of the other sites is like 300, 400. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have nearly as many friends. Dude, you're not getting any value being on Twitter anymore. You're not getting there. And so, yeah, you can have a higher number there, but you don't have any value there. You don't. So the thing that you want to do is basically – leave and say to yourself, hey, we're not Democrats. We're moderate Republicans. We're fiscally conservative, maybe a little bit more socially liberal than than the current Republican Party. But we're not these absolutists that demand that basically everything has to be shut down or else. And I think you'd win. But you guys have to have the ability to make that decision, like the Whigs did that were anti-slavery, or like the person who basically decides, you know what, enough's enough on Twitter. Yeah, there are. I'm going to lose something here, but I'd rather lose that than continue on that crap fest of a social media site. Nice job, Elon, you idiot. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Let's vote total time. 130, one, let's see, 177 to remove them. 168 to keep him. Eight Republicans have voted against him. Zero Democrats have voted to keep him. I think we're, you know, aren't the corpses supposed to be at the end of this month? It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We're on uh, McCarthy Death Watch at this point. Um, it's 196 to 183 to get rid of him. And once again, unless some Democrats either vote present or vote to keep him, this is over because already eight Republicans have voted to get rid of him. That's more than the five-vote margin. So Kevin McCarthy, soon to be unemployed. I can't wait. Like I said, I can't wait. 
for Gates to basically come on out and say, hey, now that I ousted you, I need your block of voters to, to c- come with me and help us out. Don't be sore about what happened. Oh, can you imagine what this is going to be like? And then there is this legitimate question is, if you're a Republican, is this is this really where you want to go? Okay, it's 201-186. I'm going to stay here for this. I'm just going to – I was going to get into some of the other things here, but I'm just going to stay here for this because this is hilarious. This is hilarious, man. What an, an absolute howler monkey exhibit. I mean it, get, it makes Lauren Boebert watching Beetlejuice look with dignity. You know, it's <laughs> – that's a solid double, rounding second, looking at third. You see Colbert's take on that last night, starting the lawnmower. Jeez. <laughs> oh, nice to have those guys back as well. And they don't tell me they weren't excited. And my God, if you if you haven't watched last week tonight with John Oliver from Sunday, uh, life is good again. And it, it, you can tell it's you can tell Trump hate watches this stuff. Because he, last night in the middle of the night went nuts over all the, these guys are back. And you're made to be because you're a horrible human being. Trust me, I'm going to, you're going to need to have that dump button handy at the end of the show. Because I got, I got one that I got to go through and I'm just going to eviscerate him. I'm just, you know, and all of you who support him, all of you that support him. Oh, we're at 209 to 192. Oh, you you can see the fly starting to amass on McCarthy's body at this point. He's already a pretty white guy. I don't know how many, how corpses he's going to get exactly. I mean, I'd say zombie right away if you want to know the truth. I saw Kevin McCarthy come down the hall. In case you're wondering what we're doing here, uh, we're kind of just twiddling our thumbs while we're waiting for the U.S. House to oust Speaker McCarthy as Speaker because Matt Gates was furious at the fact that he didn't do everything we had demanded that he do. And unless a miracle happens, uh, this is over. Was it 217 is the vote total, right? 217, if he's over 217, it's over. Uh, 218 is half, yeah. Two, two, yeah, 218. So it's over to it if it's over 217, yeah. So uh, it's 213. Oh, dead man walking. 214. Dun, 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 dun. We're getting close to 214, yeah. 215. We might as well just stick it out till like 199. Oh, yeah, it's right there. It's right there. And I'm watching, by the way, I'm watching the New York Times as of the updated thing going on. So it's 215 to 200. All it needs is three more. We're at 216. God, this is just hilarious how bad this is going for the Republicans. <laughs> oh, oh, 202, 216 to 202. All right. All right. We're. We're at 216, so one more means they have to take, they run the board. Oh, he's getting, they're getting, they're McCarthy's votes. There must be a lot of loyalists at the end of the alphabet. <laughs> he's up to 205. <sighs> 206. Like I said, the only thing I can think of is if, if the, the Democrats start voting present. And. I don't. I don't see it here. Hmm. Yeah, I know this is stunning radio, but this is historical precedent going on right now as we speak. Um, as as we're stalled, 
Are we stalled at two sixteen to two two oh six? I mean, it's it's if that was it, that's it's over anyway. Who's got a right wing name at the end of the alphabet? That's what we got to be thinking of. Uh, who's gonna vote to oust him? Who has the Z in Nazi? Uh, let's. <laughs> uh, there's got to be a few. I'm wondering if they just basically like is the New York Times counter basically just rolling on the floor at this point? Just like ah. <laughs> oh. So it, it's Speaker likely lost his vote with Matt Robbinsdale, a Republican from Montana, voting against him. McCarthy would, and they need several remaining Democrats. Okay, it's okay. We're up to two two sixteen to two oh seven. They stopped counting for a second here, but I think we can see the the, the fate is sealed. Guess you can't get ousted if you don't count the votes. Well, maybe it is decided. Yeah, we're done. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if the Democrats are now just voting present. It's 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 the the fact is that they have not since they got to two sixteen. There's not been another vote in there, and, and McCarthy's picked up like eight votes now on the other side. So I mean, could this be the plan for the Democrats? Basically, keep them into power because you know, and just just to 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 mess with Gates and the rest of them. So it's. I, I well, or and and maybe what you're doing is this is is maybe McCarthy's going over there and saying, gone to the Democrats and said, here's the deal, you know, I'll what what do you want to I'll ma- I'll make sure something you want in a bill, I'll make sure something you want we'll drop we'll drop the Biden stuff, we'll drop the Biden stuff. You just the rest of you guys vote in in sync with me, two sixteen to two oh nine, maybe that's the case. I I you know you you are in a power position if you're the Democrats because you know you can you're going to basically help decide who the next speaker is going to be because I guarantee you that, you know, there's going to be some moderates in the Republican party that are not going to vote for Chip Roy and Tom Emmer might get it. But I mean, does he really want it? I, I don't think, I don't think him or Jeffries or Scalise. Um, I don't Steve Scalise. I don't think any of them want it. Yeah. I don't know if that'd be like a Paul Ryan situation. Remember when Paul Ryan kind of stumbled into it when Republicans had something similar happen to Boehner. They yeah. Settled. I don't think I don't think Tom Emmer could be that role. I don't. I, I, I just, you know, it's it's and uh, it, it, like I said, it, it's been remarkable because this vote has stalled at two sixteen, and once again we said two eighteen is the, the cutoff line. So I'm almost wondering, and I got to believe people are voting. So I, you know, let me. I, I'm going to presume that there are Democrats you know, voting here. Uh, live the final vote. Let's see. Maybe maybe I'm missing something. Maybe the New York Times is just not updating it as we go here. Um, yeah, they're they're basically a little behind on the Huffington Post. Two sixteen to two ten. So once again, it, we're just looking at you know one or two more votes. Two sixteen to one ten or two ten. No one ten. Yeah. Um, maybe that's that could be the case. Is that there? He's basically made a deal with the remaining Democrats and said, "Here, we'll 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 do whatever we you need. Just make sure I stay in power." Because let's make sure this is the one thing about getting rid of McCarthy, which I do agree with. This guy's a freaking weasel. This guy is only there about the power. He's only there about the the position that it gives him. He's only there because he wants to he wants to be the big guy there. It's you know he he fell in love with the idea of becoming uh, the 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 uh, speaker after Ryan left. And he he's not trying to give it up, and the reality is is that it's it is you know a, a kind of a situation where you know it, it's it's he, he him losing is a good thing, but I am stunned for some reason they just the the the, the votes against him have stopped at two sixteen, which is 
basically two votes shy from him being ousted. I'll just uh, keep that over here. Uh, the Twins, they start yet? They have, yes. All right. It's, are we down yet? No, what the leadoff guy for the Blue Jays did reach on an error, though. Oh, who's third baseman? The, oh, who's Roy? No, Royce is DH. Who's third? No, he's the DH. I forgot who Solano? I think it might be him, yeah. Or Castro. Oh. Well, I'm going to get the double play. Who's pitching for us today? That's uh, Lopez. Okay, Lopez, yeah. Struck out a guy. We'll, we'll just give the play-by-play the whole game. Well, it's just <laughs> we're giving play-by-play of the, vote, the voting out of McCarthy at, at this point, so. All right, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I'll keep this by my side here and give you an update in a second. Uh, a fight broke out among 10 Minnetonka High School students on Monday. The school sent out an email to families saying the fight happened during lunchtime, started as a verbal altercation, turned physical for a few minutes in a hallway next to the cafeteria. Our staff and school resource officers immediately intervened and broke up the fight and dispersed the crowd of students. The school principal, Jeff Erickson, said, Police were able to control the situation quickly as the rest of the day's classes resumed without any disruption. No arrests were made and no injuries were immediately reported. Resources are available for students who have been affected by the fight. Uh, The presence of school resource officers at the school for the incident comes amid the ongoing debate about what amount of force the officers can use on students. A new rule restricting SROs from using chokeholds or prone restraints on students except to prevent <clears throat> serious bodily harm or death led to a number of police departments pulling their SROs from schools, but they never did pull them out of Minnetonka. So Minnetonka has their SROs. <clears throat> Minnetonka Police Department was not one of those that pulled their SRO officers, crediting its strong relationship with the school district. Hmm. Pardon me. <clears throat> yes, I'm still – I'm just kind of laughing. Um, uh, laughing at this whole thing with McCarthy. With many agencies choosing not to keep their officers in schools at this time, the um, uh, the, the we feel extremely fortunate and so grateful for the Minnetonka Police Department for their commitment to continue on with the outstanding relationship between the department and our school district. Dave Law, Superintendent of Minnetonka Public Schools, said on September first, our SROs remain in- integral, supportive, and well-regarded members of our school community. Attorney General Keith Ellison issued his clarification of the legislative change order stating that SROs may remain uh, restrained students that are breaking the law, which led to some police departments returning their SROs to campus. All right, so a pretty standard story here. But, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Kevin McCarthy's just been ousted. 216 to 210 is the final. So some of the people must not have been present. 216 to 210, that means he's been removed. So the Howler Monkey exhibit continues in the U.S. House. Wow. Anyway, back to this story about the SRO. Because once again, this is a school district that had SROs in the school district. And yeah, that was that was kind of the, the whole point was that I, I, at least I heard a lot of Republicans, a lot of Republicans over the last um, the last two months scream about how this is this is the only way that if school resource officers are not in the schools that that basically that that, that, that basically they're unmitigated hellscapes versus the SRO schools which are safe and I mean, I've had a few people say, where did any Republican, where did any Republican say that schools with SROs never have any problem? Well, you're just going to go listen to what they were saying. Because the, you know, there was just a tremendous amount of them out there insisting that, that 
this was this was the make or break that if you did not have SROs in the school that your school was just not safe they're safe with SROs in it and as a matter of fact um you know Zach Duckworth the Republican who was kind of the point person on this repeatedly made statements on social media which basically said schools with SRO officers are safe. Well, here you have a case where that's just not true. This was Minnetonka. They had an SRO officer there, and I think they actually have multiple SRO officers at Minnetonka, and they had a fight. So it's very hard for me to understand. Wait a second here. I thought your standard was that this this was the make or break. And when you sit there and you say, School resource officers keep schools safe. You're not saying, oh, sure, they might have a problem or so. No, you're saying very definitively that that is the case, that that is the, that that is the standard that you have built. So I've got a question for you guys, you Republicans. Wasn't that your, SR, your argument that SROs made schools safe with just with their, just their presence? Because here's a fight there. Now, I took a lot of straw people saying, well, you're putting out a straw man argument. No, no, no. I'm only arguing your point. Your point was that there that, that these kept these officers kept the schools safe and everyone respected them and there was no no problems. That was your argument. I'm just calling you guys out saying your argument was garbage. The SROs and the police officers stopped the fight at Minnetonka. Wait a second here. Didn't, the, didn't Republicans initially kept screaming, SROs under these new laws can't even stop a fight, can't even touch a student? Lie, lie, lie. Just calling them out. These are your words, guys, not mine. Did when when with the Minnetonka? Remember one of the things about Minnetonka, where we had the the one teacher who used to teach there, sort of said that basically. You know, the police know that you're at Minnetonka, so if you grab a kid there, you might be getting some wealthy guy's kid. So, you, you, you know, officers walk into those situations with a much different mentality than other schools. So I'm presuming that they didn't get too rough with him, or if they did, they didn't say, well, he was big for a kid. He was big for a kid. <laughs> he was a kid, but yeah, he was big for a kid. The... You guys, and and before you come at me and argue this straw man argument, let me make sure I point back at you very clearly. You guys were begging for a school district that had their SRO pulled to have a major incident so you could run out in front of that school and get your press conference and talk about the outrage of the SROs not being in the schools. SROs keep schools safe. You were waiting. Unfortunately for you, the other side happened. A school that never lost their SROs had a fight, which you guys implied strongly just doesn't happen. And then you're acting indignant because I'm pointing out your fraudulent arguments. That's my job, showing you the mirror so you can see your idiots. And I have no problem doing it. These are your arguments. I'm throwing them back in your face. You don't like that. Then shut your mouth on the front side and don't make me embarrass you. Now call your mom and tell her to come pick you up. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. Let me find some of Zach Duckworth's tweets here and we'll, 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 we'll scour them for a sec. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. And now we fell into a rhythm where the music don't stop for 
Zach Duckworth. This is the Republican out Lakeville. It's been basically there. When they say, whoever said that SRO officers, there's no problems. If they are there, our schools, kids, teachers will be safer without a question. Oh, okay. Uh, No. Um, He goes, he's, he's said this multiple times. And I get it. You're saying, I mean, it's an implication. The implication is you're saying these SROs keep schools safe. That's your argument. Which means that there's no problems there. That's biological conclusion. So for you to sit there and make an argument that the SROs keep us safe, which means is then then if an SRO is there, there shouldn't be problems. It, there shouldn't be problems. And yeah, um, and and this was a, a theme, and him and other people, including you know the the, the scarecrow himself, Walter. You know it it's it's. <laughs> They love to put out these arguments. Um, the requester is as simple. The request or ask is simple. Add clarity to the law so that they can return those school resource officers to buildings to prevent others from having to be pulled out. Ensuring the safety of our kids, teachers, and schools should be an easy bipartisan win for Minnesota. Is he implying that, oh, there's still going to be fights at SRO with schools or the SROs? No, he's not. He's not saying that at all. The bottom line is Zach Duckworth. Once again, this is September 8th. The bottom line is school resource officers exist and are in school buildings to keep kids, teachers, and schools safe. And often they do that by building strong relationships with those inside the building to prevent things from even happening. Keep our SROs. What are you talking about? Minnetonka, they apparently then, you're, then by your own argument, then the Minnetonka Police Department did not do a good job of building up, what was that, very strong relationships with those inside the buildings to stop this massive brawl. Don't do this. Don't try to play this game with me where you make a very strong implication. Schools with SROs are safe. Schools without SROs are not safe. That's what you guys said. Me pointing out a school with SROs had a fight in it. And you basically, because you can't spin that acting like I'm making a straw man argument or no Republican ever implied SROs keep schools safe. That's on you. And, and, and it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Um, so, yeah, um, just uh, FYI, House Alice McCarthy from Speakership. Got more good news. Royce Lewis, two-run home run. Boom! How's the swing look? Did the swing look good? Yeah, looking good, yeah. What the hell are you doing watching the game? This is a show we're doing here. I'm here sitting watching the tally. Yeah. This is, is there anything that just highlights what this what Brett and I are all about? You got the Twins game. I'm like, wow, McCarthy's he's getting his ass handed to him. Royce Lewis, two-run home run, bottom of the first. The Twins now lead the Blue Jays 2-0. Got to put the pressure on. Got to keep it going. No, I'm going to call you guys out because if you make absolutist statements or even imply an absolutist statement, and that's what you all did. You all implied it. You implied that SROs keep schools safe. And no, schools without SROs, don't, they're not safe. That's your argument. You basically all of a sudden realizing you're a bunch of dumbasses who should have never said that in the first place. Well, you're getting what you, you deserve. So, sorry, this is my job. This is, I, I think it's on the door. I'm here to hold you accountable because you're really, really bad. And so I'm not going to just let you go on out there and rip off statements and make things and and act like, oh, well, we never said that. You clearly implied the SROs were the only thing keeping schools from caravanning into chaos. And the fact is, is 
The reality is, is it's a mixed bag at best. I don't know if SROs keep us safe. Hour two up next. Hour two of the show here on your Tuesday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Brett here today. Patrick Cooligan going to join us in just a few minutes. Uh, but uh, let's our, our, our guy here who's keeping an eye on things on the Twins game. Twins and taking on the Toronto Blue Jays. What, where are we at right now? Wins up 2 nothing in the still in the bottom of the first, and they are still batting with a man on and two outs, so looking good so far. Correa's up to bat, right? That he is right yeah, now as we right. speak. Uh, hope he doesn't have a bad strikeout. All right. Do you know, by the way, do you know not to turn your phone on tomorrow at all? Oh, with the EAS Yeah, uh, the EAS, you know what it's going to do. It's going to activate the Marburg virus, and all of us that have been vaccinated are about to become zombies. Did you know this? I didn't know this. There could be worse things in the world than that. Well, I mean, of course it's a Twins day then. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean a zombie tomorrow. I mean, it just, I, mean, I got to enjoy life, man. It, it's, it, it, it is amazing to me the, the amount of people that basically, they, they cannot let this go. They cannot let this go. They have to, have to keep, it's going to, they're all going to be zombies. You do realize that The Walking Dead, there has never been zombies. Do people know that there's never been zombies? Might have been a twitcher, but I mean, I mean, there's not zombies. Like, there's, like this is something that really could happen. Uh, Carlos Correa called out on strikes. All right, dang it. We're in the second inning. All right. So apparently the, the, the rumor is from the far-right QAnon nutbag brigade. Ugh is that if your phone is on tomorrow, tomorrow they're going to be doing an extended national EBS test. And they do this once a year, basically. They did, it's a national test to make sure that if the, the federal government has to activate the emergency broadcast system, they can do it. And it comes on now. Most of the time when you get the emergency broadcast system, it's usually done on a state level and done this. This is the one they're going to do this year. They've convinced themselves this is what's good. There's going to be sending a signal through your cell phone. And all of a sudden you're going to have, I don't know, you're going to die? And then immediately want to eat other humans? I mean, or is it kind of more of a, you know, a slow roll? You know, it's going to take, you know, four or five months. I mean, because it doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't think we've got the technology to kind of instotain someone into, because once again, they've got to die instantly off a sound and then be reanimated to come back as zombie people. If you have to have the world come by as a zombie apocalypse, for you to be the hero of your own narrative, you suck. Seriously. Seriously. If you are like, if your life is at a point where you say to yourself, you know, you know what would be great? You know, if a zombie apocalypse happened, you know, I'd be, I'm so ready here, man. I've got a few guns. I've got some spam. I, you know, I got one of those buckets I can go to the bathroom in, and I'll be able to, to fight off. And then, then that girl that I loved back in high school that got married and had kids, she's going to be coming running to my door, and she's going to be like, help, 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 and I'll save you if you kiss me. Oh, God, it's going to be the best story ever. And then I'm not going to be the four-time loser lurking the third shift over the, co- the plant because no one else will hire me. I'm going to be the winner, and I'll be the king of this town. That's what I'll be. I'll be the king of this town it'll be so great i'll be this this all i need is i need 98 percent of the population to die off and start trying to attack me and then i'll be proven to be the hero i know i am wow you are a loser you are a loser if you need a zombie apocalypse to turn yourself into the hero of your own narrative 
I've got the hero of my own narrative. Got a wife, got kids, got a dog, a nice house. My life's doing great. How are you, you doing okay over there? I'm, I don't need the zombie apocalypse to, uh, uh, I can to go get a little better. I but. can go get a burger or go with the zombie apocalypse. I'll go with the burger, man. I, just, I don't need the zombie apocalypse to, to, make my, to give myself validation. We're going to find out tomorrow, though, whether that's true or not. The <laughs> EAS test. Prove me wrong. Oh, no. Won't I look like a fool? Uh, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Uh, I also have some more bad news for the Republicans in the audience out there. Really bad news. Because I, I don't know where you guys are going to go from here. Violent crimes throughout the first nine months of 2023 in Minneapolis compared to the same time last year are trending downward. By the way, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to give KSTP credit here because, once again, the most right-wing of the news outlets here in town – they can't put this in there without them putting the next four paragraphs being, but they're still low on police. There's still there's still a real police hiring gap. There's only 515 cops, but you know, violent crimes down. Sure, yeah, okay, fine, but there's still no, no cops. <laughs> Way to go there, KSTV. Um, once again, I just want to make sure, because, and, and I'm dead serious when I say this. The only part of this story that talks about violent crime, which has been the main focus of every Republican going ah, for the last two years, is down dramatically. And the only word of that in this entire story is that what I just read. The violent crimes throughout the first nine months of 2023 compared to the same time last year are trending downward. They couldn't even do a full sentence of positivity. They had to, But before you get too happy, there's no cops. There you are, huh? Sure. I did you see the story about in Dinkytown and on the Stone Arch Bridge how these patrols of parents, mothers particularly, have basically they haven't had any incidences at all on either one of them at night. They've 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 really shut that down for like six weeks now. Did you see that one? I did not know, but I guess no one wants to act up in front of their moms. Oh, so. apparently not. And bravo, nicely done. Get those kids in the line, man. That's some that's some solid stuff. It was that that was that part of that initiative where the imams and, and the religious leaders of the community, the recruited parents and particularly moms to come on out there. And you're right, kids don't want to sit there and have their moms see them do something really bad, and so. It's kind of cleaned a lot of that area out. You know, if you're a college age kid, I do wonder. Yeah, would you rather have the cops see you do something bad or your mom? Oh, these aren't college age kids. These are these are high school age kids. High school, yeah, high, yeah. high school and junior high. I mean, that's where that, that's where most yeah. of the problem is. I, I've, I've my son's over in, at the U. The kids that are having the, the issues over in in Dinkytown, he said they're all yeah you know, clearly not high school. They're not college kids. They're all high school kids. But yeah, these patrols have kind of cleaned this up. Things are better. What are Republicans? You know, you can't get upset about the SROs anymore. You can't get upset about this. Your party's falling apart. What are you guys going to do? <laughs> oh, by the way, there is something hilarious you and Patrick Cooligan get into today because there is a Minnesota reformer story. I'm actually upset you guys are talking about this because I wanted to touch on this one myself. Uh, there is a – this is the, the, the woman who started the Just Let Them Play Charity, yes. or it was it supposed to be a charity group? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's a, it's a nonprofit. A Let non-profit. them play. Yeah, let them play. This is the the people that basically were so upset about Governor Walls. They should let them play, even though everyone could get sick and die. That sort of thing. And they made this a nonprofit. Well, they've just had their nonprofit status lifted because apparently they haven't paid taxes as a nonprofit, 
and then filed the documentation. Is that correct? The way, I mean, just yeah, so I, I've done a little work with nonprofits, and Patrick, as I'll point out, the Minnesota Reformer is a nonprofit, and one of the forms, which is pretty basic that you have to fill out, is called the Form 990, which shows your expenses and how they were spent. And mm-hmm. these guys decided, yeah, we don't need to do that. And they did for three years. They didn't do it. It wasn't yeah. one year. It was three years they didn't file this. And so people are starting to wonder where the $500,000 they got went to. Do we know what this representative's house looks like? I mean, I just, I just, a, that's a completely unrelated question. Is it a nice house? Is it, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars? I mean, is it really nice? I mean, it looks really, you got all the bells and whistles? I mean, I'm just asking that question how their house is. And by the way, we also have to figure out where all this money went to because that seems to have disappeared too. Uh, you guys talk about that. What else do you and Patrick Cooligan talk about? Yeah, then we're going to preview his uh, column coming up tomorrow as well, talking about some uh, significant school funding futs that's it. School funding cuts, easy for me to say, that's going to be in the U.S. House budget that we're going to touch on. He's going to have that column come out a little bit later this week, but he's been saying this is something people aren't paying attention to and could have a, an impact on a number of schools. All right, here you go. Patrick Cooligan from the Minnesota Reformer, kind enough to join us on a Tuesday right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Brett Johnson with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And right now we are joined by Patrick Cooligan, who is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer as we are going to be talking about some of the stories that they have been working on. And what we'll be chatting about today is a column that will be uh, coming out a little bit later in The Reformer this week, talking about the U.S. House budget plan, which could cut 80% of Title I school funding. We're going to talk about why that is significant. And then we're also going to be talking about Don Gilman, a Republican state representative from the St. Cloud area, Dassel specifically. She ran this nonprofit called Let Them Play MN which uh, sued Governor Tim Walls in an effort to keep high school athletes on the field during the COVID era. Well, they are now running into some tax problems, so we'll be chatting about that as well. Patrick, thanks so much for coming back on the show today. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. So let's start off talking about uh, Don Gilman, as I mentioned. She is a Republican representative from Dassel ran the Let Them Play nonprofit, which I mentioned sued Governor Walls back in 2020 and 2021 during the COVID era when many high school sports teams weren't allowed to play their games due to COVID restrictions. So she led that nonprofit for a while, uh, made a lot of noise, and she later got elected to the State House of Representatives. But there is an issue with this Let Them Play MN nonprofit. They never filed a Form 990. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, nonprofits, the Form 990, basically in a nutshell, shows how all of your expenses are spent, which you would think would be a pretty uh, pretty essential thing to file for a nonprofit. Let Them Play Amend then had its tax-exempt status revoked by the IRS earlier this year, since we don't know how their $500,000 in donations were spent. So before we dive into the finances here, Patrick, tell us a little bit more about uh, Let Them Play, the lawsuits they filed, and, well, why this organization gained a lot of prominence back in 2020 and 2021. Right. Well, it's, it seems like a million years ago now, but uh, the the pandemic uh, was in uh, full swing and the governor was taking measures uh, that he hoped uh, would would limit the spread. Um, and uh, the fear was that high school sports uh, would be uh, an excellent vector um, for the disease. Uh, this created a, uh, a lot of uh, outrage amongst, I guess we call them COVID skeptics, and um, it, it led to uh, a lot of 
I guess you'd call it grassroots um, organizing and fundraising. Um, and in this case, um, um, Dawn um, Gilman was able to raise, uh, she says, a half million dollars from something like 25,000 uh, members. Uh, and and the with the goal of fighting these shutdown orders and using litigation uh, to to make sure that students could keep still playing uh, sports. Um, so all is well and good, especially uh, after you raise the money and um, uh, you use some of that newfound prominence to get elected to the to the legislature, where she's become a, a kind of a red meat. Uh, right-wing member, um, especially on some cultural issues. Um, but the problem is uh, we have rules, uh, and uh, they're there for a good reason. In the case of nonprofits, and, and I'm part of a nonprofit organization, so I'm kind of familiar with this, um, we want to make sure that the money is being spent um, in ways that are uh, th- that are intended by the charity, and, and that's because we're giving a pretty significant tax break to people who donate to these charities. So, uh, and it's also just a, um, a good way um, for us to keep tabs on the nonprofit sector and make sure the money is being spent uh, appropriately. So that's why we have the, the, uh, these forms um, that we have to fill out. Um, and uh, Gilman has not uh, filed any, any of them. And uh, as a result, the nonprofit status of her uh, her group has been uh, revoked. Um, now, obviously, kids are back playing sports, so it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I don't, I don't think that um, you know. And so, I think her her position has been well. Uh, that was in the past. Um, that's that's all done with now. Um, and she's certainly right that the the fight over sports is over at least for now, but um, we still have a right to know where all that money went. Absolutely. And uh, I'm I'm curious about, because uh, as we mentioned, this organization ran or rose to some prominence back in 20 and 2021. What's been the explanation on why these forms weren't filed or how exactly this money was spent? So this is uh, interesting. She hired uh, a a law firm to, just to sue Governor Walls, and there's some notable folks uh, at the law firm. Um, one of them uh, was the Republican candidate for state auditor. His name is Ryan Wilson. Uh, he declined to comment, um, citing attorney-client privilege. Um, we did get a statement um, from a guy named uh, Sam Deal, um, who was also an attorney for for at this firm that that represented Let Them Play. Uh, Sam Deal is a, a, also of note, uh, local counsel um, for the uh, Donald Trump campaign as it seeks to ensure that it stays on the ballot this year. It's fighting a ballot challenge over uh, his uh, insurrection attempt in 2020. So th- these are, uh, you know, some some pretty big name uh, Republicans, and uh, they sent us this statement saying that there was a miscommunication and that's uh, led to a missed filing. Um, that's what Mr. Deal told us. Uh, but the problem with that is it wasn't just one missed filing. It was three years. Uh, they've, they've never filed a, a 990. So um, 
so that that's the explanation to me it's it's not really an explanation at all um other than they say they're they're going to file the necessary paperwork um and that's great and then maybe we'll learn uh where the money went because uh we we i'm not suggesting here that it was stolen i i understand that when you file two federal lawsuits the the legal fees can be quite ex- extensive but um it seems like we we have a right to know i mean well, I know we do. The law uh, mm-hmm. ensures that we have a right to know. Well, and just to emphasize this too, I mean, years ago I worked a little bit doing nonprofit accounting, and obviously at the Minnesota Reformer, you're a nonprofit as well. It's this is a pretty common form that you have to file. This isn't some easy or some complicated form that oh yeah, this went by the wayside. Oftentimes, firms miss these or nonprofits miss these. This is a pretty common form that you you pretty much have to file. Yeah, if you're a nonprofit organization, uh, um, it's it's like the one thing you absolutely must do, and uh, you know it's it's very it's, it's basic, especially if you're a small outfit like like this one was. Uh, you don't have to record where the money came from, only uh, how it is spent, um, and then you list some officers and and the highest paid employees and that kind of thing, and, and your biggest expenses. Um, it's it's not that big a deal to do it. And if you were to take in $500,000 for your nonprofit mission, absolutely there'd be no question about the fact that you would do this. Well, you can read more about uh, this Let Them Play MN organization uh, having their tax-exempt status revoked. Again, represented by Don Gilman, who is a uh, Republican representative from Dassel. Find that over at minnesotareformer.com, minnesotareformer.com. One other thing I wanted to ask you about today has to do with a column that you are going to be running later this week about the U.S. House budget plan, which plans, uh, well, as of right now, cuts 80% of Title I school funding. Now, I have to admit, I'm not exactly familiar with what exactly Title I school funding is. So I'm curious, I'm going to turn the floor over to you if you can kind of talk about why this is important and why people should pay attention, because if I see an 80% cut to school funding, uh, that kind of gets my attention, but this is something I'm not exactly familiar with. Yeah, the f- most school funding comes from the state and, and local government, um, but there is one major federal program called Title I. It's aid that's directed to schools uh, with a, a relatively significant portion of students um, who come from, from uh, less privileged backgrounds, and uh, it's pretty significant in some districts. So, for instance, um, um, I noted that in, in St. Cloud, uh, they are getting uh, something like $5 million from Title I funds. Now, the reason I, I picked St. Cloud is because that's in the district of uh, U.S. Representative Tom Emmer. And um, all, there's all this drama happening in Washington over the shutdown, and then we narrowly averted the shutdown at least for six weeks, and now they're Today, as we as we speak, they're they're potentially deposing the speaker, um, and it's a lot of spectacle. But we have to pay attention to the actual policy details. This is a what the uh, Republican budget. This is what they put forward as a way uh, to satisfy the hard right, uh, their hard right sub caucus. It was an 80% cut in Title One uh, spending which was a quarter of all of their proposed spending cuts. So, so most of, I shouldn't say most, but, but a healthy chunk of their spending cuts, they've decided to go after money that goes to basically the underprivileged uh, kids uh, in their, their schools. Um, 
five million dollars for St. Cloud. Uh, I uh, apparently um, that would lead to they'd have to cut about sixty teachers if if they were to cut four million out of the five million. So that's just that district. And you go around the state, and you find uh, there's a lot of Title One, uh, a lot of school districts getting significant money. And I was most interested, for obvious reasons, and our Republican members of Congress, who who are really would be hurting their own their own districts uh, significantly because the, uh, you know St. Cloud and Rochester down in the first congressional district and and Duluth and uh, there's there's an Iron Range district up there that gets half a million at Moorhead and you go around to Greater Minnesota and they would either have to cut teachers uh, or they'd have to raise property taxes. And the, the reason that these Republican members are, are okay with these cuts is because there's, they say they're for small government, but they don't want to touch the Pentagon and they don't want to touch social security, Medicare, um, because those are untouchable politically, but it's also their own program so heavily. Um, so I, I think what I'm going to try to convey in that column that's going to run tomorrow is, as you watch the spectacle and laugh uh, uh, and and point and laugh and, and maybe in a little bit of uh, pain as we watch our, our dysfunctional Republican House, um, don't forget to look at the policy details. Absolutely. And you can read more about that column over at minnesotareformer.com, minnesotareformer.com. We'll chat a little bit more about that in detail next week, but we are a little short on time. Patrick Kulikan, editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer, has been joining us on the airwaves. Patrick, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Brad. All right, let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM 950. Wow, a lot of things going on today. And it, while we we're on the air, we got the Twins game going on right now, and the U.S. House run by basically eight Republicans. And this is going to shock you. Here, here are the eight Republicans that voted against Kevin McCarthy as Speaker. Uh, Andy Biggs of Arizona, not a shock. Ken Buck of Colorado, not a shock. Tim Burchett of Tennessee, not a shock. Ellie Crane of Arizona, not a shock. Matt Gates of Florida, not a shock. Bob Good of Virginia, not a shock. Uh, Matt Rosendale of Montana, not a shock. Nancy Mace of South Carolina, the so-called moderate of the Republican Party, she voted as well to get rid of him. Um, that one that surprises me. She's kind of been going off the deep end for uh, quite a few months now. Well, and she she does seem to be going more. You know, I don't know. She tries to keep claiming she's moderate, but she seems to be one of the biggest enablers of the far right. Uh, the vote was 216 to 210. Uh, McCarthy is no longer Speaker of the House. And this is just rich. And I want to give Mike McFeely over at McFeely and Forum uh, yeah, a credit on this because he, he pointed out – he's got a quote here. This is Representative Kelly Armstrong, a Republican from North Dakota. The incentive structure in this town – talking about D.C. – the incentive structure in this town is completely broken. We have descended to a place where clicks, TV hits, and the never-ending quest for the most mediocre taste of celebrity drives decisions and encourages juvenile behavior. That's absolutely a spot-on 
statement. I couldn't agree with it more, but McFeely make, points out, it's like, Kelly would know in his own words, he consistently and passionately defended Donald Trump. What a fraud. You built this garbage Republican Party. Now you're acting outraged. And that's exactly it. If you sat there when Donald Trump was on the all-access bus talking about sexually assaulting a married woman, and you said to yourself, Great, I'm standing by him, when he mocked a disabled man, and you stood by him. You have no one to blame but yourselves. I mean, Donald Trump was, Donald Trump clearly, by his own admission, sent a mob over there to stop the counting of the electoral votes on January 6th. And yet you all said, nope, he's not guilty. While you sit there and you have these insanely stupid hearings on Biden where even your own defense team basically doesn't have any idea what's going on. No, this this is an absolute joke. And you couldn't run this worse. This is literally as Stein says, and I imagine he's had a lot to say tomorrow. This is another case where the dog caught the car and they have no idea what to do with it. Uh, the dog caught the car and they have no idea what to do with it. 952-946-6205, In other news here, this one I got from uh, Racket. Sean Holster is a politician. He knows the power of optics. And with regard to newly formed Minneapolis Republican Party, really? Okay, Minneapolis Republican Party's first ever rockin' barbecue Fundraiser location this past Saturday, the party chair says he's aware of the potentially damning PR implications. The old Clubhouse Jaeger building is still owned by Julius DeRoma, who gained local infamy after the reveal that he once donated to ex-KKK Grand Wizard David Duke's failed 2016 U.S. Senate campaign. You guys, it's not like there's a limited amount of places you could have had an event in this town. How... uh, Quote, I was made aware of the ownership when I first came across that building. I started soliciting advice from those much older, wiser, and smarter than myself, and we decided to go forward, said Holster, who lost by 71 points to 25-year-old DFL rival Zainab Mohammed in the last fall's District 63 Minnesota Senate race. So I looked into the history. I did a lot of research in the background of one Mr. Julius DeRoma, and I had a number of very long discussions with the gentleman as well. And looking at it, yeah, it sure, you know... It sure was. I can't say that. It sure was a dumb idea. So, Holster begins uh, reviews DeRoma as a uh, politically androgynous eccentric whose motives don't even uh, begin to uh, guess. It concludes that the landlord's very poor decision to donate to the former KKK leader was not made from a point of racial, ethnic, or religious animus of any kind. Ah! No, not at all. Not in the least bit. Did they just get a home run? Royce Lewis again. He hit another home run. Yeah. <sighs> he is a little hot right now. <laughs> you think he's happy to be in the... Oh, my. Oh, he's... Head sling looks good. By the way, we got it on the TV behind me. Should I just... Yeah, I mean, I'll just... Uh, Major League uh, Baseball is going to yell at us here. Well, will they? <laughs> well, man, okay, well, keep it mainly on me. <laughs> you can't really see anything behind me, can you? No, no, you're fine. <laughs> We don't have the express written consent. Now, the rest of me will be doing the show from... You'll be looking at the back of my head on the camera. No. (laughs) You don't think for a second I'll 
That was an old Colbert bit. He's like, when he's so upset, he just basically, when Obama won re-election, he just basically sat down and opened up beers and said, I'm not doing a show. <laughs> um, Holster views DeRoma as a politically androgynous eccentric who motives, I'm not even going to begin to guess, well, if you're giving money to a former KKK Grand Wizard, uh, yeah, and concludes that the landlord's very poor decision to donate to the former KKK leader was not made for the point of racial, ethnic, religious animus of any kind. Setting his own biracial marriage and work on a 12-step recovery program, Holster boasts of the rainbow of representation in our organization, adding reassuringly, our calendar just doesn't include clan stuff anytime soon. Good. Uh, Holster's personal politics, the more pugnacious and handholdy, taking aim at cancel culture, teacher socialists, the trans rights movement. He says his group has no financial connections with the cash strap statewide GOP apparatus. I can't. Well, I mean, even if you did, I don't you're not going to get any help from them. I mean, they have no money at this point. The Republican Party of Minnesota and that the decision to socialize at Jaeger was theirs alone. Presumably dozens of alternative locations existed, but the party ended up choosing one with a recent historical static around it, as Holster puts it. Doromo's support for Duke, who remains a proud white supremacist and anti-Semite, was first scooped by the city pages in 2017. Well, whatever, it's just free speech, a shirtless defiant Doroma told CCO Television when confronted with it in his home that summer in 2017. <laughs> shirtless. Uh, I don't care to talk like to a skank like you over the phone. He'd later tell Rackett's old colleague Mike Mullen of CP when pressed on his political contributions. Jaeger employees, walk, uh, employees walked out in protest that September throw. Doroma would briefly reopen the 117-year-old bar in early 2018, just in time for Super Bowl 52 tourists. It didn't go well. Protesters splashed off the brick facade and the projection of a swastika accompanied by the text of, well, I can't read that. Uh, per county records, Doromo still owns a large portfolio of Minneapolis properties near Lynn Lake, including the addresses for Up Down Legacy Glassworks, Buffalo Exchange, and the former home of the huge improv theater. That latter business uh, cited its landlord's politics as the catalyst for their 2019 move. Build as our first fundraiser. At our new office space, the $75, $15 after mail-in rebate, Minnesota Republican Party, our Minneapolis Republican Party event at Jaeger featured barbecue, live music, and speakers like the 2022 GOP gubernatorial loser, Scott Jensen, freshly uh, announced uh, Representative Ilham, Ilhan Omar challenger, uh, Dahlia Al-Akidi, and Minnesota Republican Party Secretary Jenna uh, Dix, and State uh, Senator Cal Barr. Oh, there's a name from the past. <laughs> That's the guy that was shirtless when he did his vote on Zoom. Remember that? Uh, yeah, he was uh, He was the famously topless Prince Rogers Nelson Memorial Highway opponent. Having formed a di- uh, disparate demogra- uh, geographic GOP coalitions in March, the Minneapolis Republican Party is a brand new organization, hence the need for its headquarters. The Rock and Barbecue Invite teases the Jaeger event as an open house and includes interior photos of this amazing upstairs office space with cold air bar below. We'll use for events, training, volunteers, other stuff. Holster says no leases have been signed, however, and his party remains all eyes, all ears about the location of its future ha- headquarters. Okay. I get it. You you're 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 a little little caught off guard by wow, this is probably not the best place to be. I yeah, I get it. I get it. But the fact that you're not running away from it and and 
you, you know, kind of like I. It's not like there aren't other places in Minneapolis where you guys could go. It's not so. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. I wanted to mention this. This came down last night, and I was kind of surprised by this, although I don't know if it's going to really do any good. Minneapolis City Council Committee on voted on Monday to reject the workers' compensation claim by the Minneapolis police officer, Andrew Patel, and return the matter to staff. The 4-1 vote taken during the Policy and Government Oversight Committee hearing returned the matter to city staff for further review. Patel was one of the officers present during the beating and arrest of Jaleel Stallings, during the unrest following the murder of George Floyd on May 2020. Let me make sure we describe that as it was. Sergeant Patel and the rest of the police that went out that night went on a hunting expedition on the citizens of Minneapolis to get, I guess, a little payback for people being upset that they murdered George Floyd in the middle of the street at 38th and Chicago. They went in an unmarked van, didn't announce themselves, just randomly opened doors and opened fire on Jaleel Stallings. And only when he fired back did they identify themselves as police officers. All this stuff they lied about, by the way. All this stuff they lied about. They also were randomly firing rounds at people at a distance with zero regard of their health or safety. These were the police officers that went on a hunting expedition on the citizens of Minneapolis. And it came back to bite them in the butt. But now are these are all the guys saying, I'm going to quit my job and I need workers' comp. <laughs> but they've, they've reversed this. I don't know what his workers' comp – I mean, maybe he hurt his hand after punching Jaleel Stallings when he was handcuffed on the ground all the time. I don't know. I understand the council's frustration because I share it. Generally, these settlements are approved not because the city wants to pay them, but alternatives could be more expensive. That was the reason for the city attorney's office recommendation today said Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry in a statement to Fox 9. Um, Stallings, by the way, eventually reached a $1.5 million settlement with the city of Minneapolis. This appears to be the first uh, PTSD claim to be challenged by the city of Minneapolis. At least 155 officers have received workers' compensation settlements totaling nearly $26 million, according to a Fox 9 investigative analysis of city council minutes and police records last November Goodbye to all you guys. All these guys, all, these are the rats that ran off the ship when they realized that they weren't going to, when they knew that the Department of Justice was going to crack down on that police department and they couldn't go on out and do their racist policing anymore. That, you know, goodbye. Goodbye. And, and it sh- and I should say this. For a lot of the officers who are stayed here, I have a lot more respect for you because the reality is, is that that seems to me to be, you're the ones who, 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 you weren't necessarily signing on with all this stuff, but, I mean, still, a lot of people went along with that crap. Um, by the way, uh, basically, many of those same officers who have gotten these workers' competence settlements have a questionable histories of misconduct. The city of Minneapolis told Fox 9 since June 1st, 2020, Minneapolis Police Department employees have filed 864 workers' compensation claims for work-related injuries and illness. This figure includes multiple claims by some employees who sustained more than one work-related injury or illness to date. The city has paid $33,825,505 for these claims, which includes wage replacement, medical payments, and settlements. The episode lasted a little more than 30 seconds, but it played out very differently than what was reported in Minneapolis police, who just days earlier said George Floyd died during a medical episode. 
according to the criminal charges against one of the officers involved, Justin Stetson. At 10.53 p.m. on May 30th, he was in a SWAT team driving down East Lake Street and 14th Avenue in a white unmarked van. The city was under nighttime curfew from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. The passenger door of the van was open as Stetson fired a 40-millimeter less lethal round at four men who'd gathered in a parking lot to protect a local business from looting. The 40-millimeter round struck Stallings in the chest, but he was unaware of incoming fire was coming from the police because they never once identified themselves. Not once. Stallings responded by firing three rounds in the direction of the unmarked van body. Well, and he shot at the ground to try to scare them up because he thought they were white supremacists. Yeah. Body cameras footage. So police responded quickly to the incoming fire, yelling shots fired, exiting the van and converging quickly on the men in the parking lot. Stallings realizing the unmarked van contained police officers, put his gun down and laid prone on the ground with his arms outstretched above his head, palms face down. According to the charges, as officer Stetson approached him, he yelled, get on the ground, dude. Before Stetson even reaches Stallings, he says, he's down, he's on the ground. That When Stetson reaches Stallings, who's prone and not resisting, Stetson kicks him in the face and the head. He strikes Stallings repeatedly, yells, blanking piece of blank, according to the charges. And he flurry, Stetson kicked him in the head four times, punched him in the head six times. He delivered, so maybe his workers' comp complaint is, is basically in regards to, you know, you know, did he hurt his hand when he was punching Jaleel Stallings? I'm dead serious. What is his workers' comp claim? Does he does he have does he have a, a bruised elbow because he or does his foot hurt from kicking him in the face? Oh, poor boo boo. Um, he delivered five knee strikes to his head. Stetson's also slammed Stallings' head to the pavement before giving his first command: "Get your hands behind your back." As Sergeant Andrew Patel holds Stallings' hand behind his back, Stetson continues to strike him. That's it. Stop, Patel tells Stetson. He grabs Stetson's right wrist. He says, "It's okay." Minutes later, Patel will falsely claim that Stallings was resisting arrest when asked about his injuries. Several officers looked at Stallings' injuries with blood pouring on his face and mistakenly thought he'd been shot. He was resisting when we approached, but that's what the way it happens. It happens, Sarge said Sergeant Patel falsely. Stallings was acquitted. And that's remember, I want to remember everything here. They, we didn't even start talking about this story until after he was acquitted on all charges. And I came on the show and it's like, Wait a second here. I thought they said this is what happened. How does he get acquitted on all charges? And that's when his lawyer said, I want to release the video footage. And that's when the Minneapolis police said, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't release the body cam footage. And finally, a judge says, well, no, the trial's over. We can release this. And that's when it's like, you know, the police came out and did the, you know, you guys out there, you guys are, are you need to keep your passions in check. Now, mind you, no one had to keep their passions in check when they were beating the living daylights out of the stallings in the street. You need to keep your, your, your passions in check, and we need, to, we need to keep calm here. After they, of course, they're the ones pouring gasoline all everything. They're the ones lighting the matches. They're the ones causing the fire, attacking the people of Minneapolis, and then they had the audacity to act like we needed to be civil. Jackasses. Uh, he was acquitted uh, he, uh, of, of, of once again, and uh, Stallings argued self-defense, was acquitted on all charges September 21st. And once again, it cannot deny that the Freeman and the Hennepin County's attorney's office failed spectacularly at doing his job because at worst, he basically – all he did was say that he um, – that, that basically that, uh, that um, uh, he, he trusted the police and didn't do his job to do his own research. At worst, he was aware that – 
that he was he was aware of what had happened and he still was charging Jaleel Stallings. And I think that that's the latter is the case because he was frantically trying to get Jaleel Stallings to take a here's your last chance. It's eight years in prison. Last chance. You're going to go to jail. We're going to put you in for life. He's acquitted on all charges because he didn't do a damn thing wrong. People want to chime in on this. Let's do it. Uh, line two first. Julie in Minneapolis uh, wanted to chime in on this. Welcome on in, Julie. Hi. See, I'm concerned about something. I'm a longtime Minneapolis resident. You know, this has been under wraps for several years now, maybe at least eh, three or four years or more. But the Minneapolis Police Department, I don't know which precinct. I'm not saying every precinct, but there's at least two precincts in which women officers were really abused. I mean, seriously harassed. Uh, I recall seeing a couple of pieces in the Minneapolis paper about this. And this has not been talked about. It's completely silent. It's silent. You know, it, it came up because, you know, uh, a couple of the women came forward. Um, so anyway, I'm concerned about that, and I'm interested because I just heard today on the radio that um, some women cops, Minneapolis, are going down to Alabama to try to recruit women to come to Minneapolis. And I just hope they haven't been made to clean up their act in this area. None of those none of those federal rules have applied that I know of. But I'm just hoping, and I'm trying to be optimistic, that they're going to start treating women fairly in the Minneapolis Police Department. Thanks, Otherwise- Julie. Thanks, Julie. I got, I got, I'm kind of running short on time here. No, but your point is very well. Thanks. I hope that that's the case. But once again, the DOJ has basically cracked down on this police department, and they and, and if you've not read that report from early this year. It was pretty scathing. Chris is in Minneapolis, wanted to chime in on workers' comp for cops. Oh, and he's not there. He's not, he's not there, or is he there? Is he there? We don't have him right okay. now. Okay. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. the What's the score of the Twins game right now? Uh, three nothing, but the Twins just threw a guy out at home plate. Nice. There you have. That's how you do it. All right. We'll take a break. Come on back. I'm going to basically try not to swear in this next segment as we wrap up the show for today. It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil show. So, once again, a little uh, reminder about who I am. Uh, I am a veteran of the U.S. Army. That's right. At one point, I was your first line of defense. (laughs) That should scare the death out of you. Uh, Very proud of my military service. I'm actually a disabled veteran as well. And I have learned the value of respecting the people who have served this country from, um, you know, from... The, the, the enemies, both foreign and domestic. Um, I openly weeped at the Minnesota Memorial at Gettysburg. I've uh, you know, seen some of the, the battle scenes in, in battle sites in, in Europe when I was stationed over there I, from World War II. You know, it's, it's something you do appreciate what the military does. And, and they, are, they are truly a brilliant group of people that keep us safe in this country as well as also – help out a lot of other countries to stay safe as well. Armed forces, all of the branches, are brilliant, and I am a big supporter of them. John Kelly, who served as the former President Donald Trump's chief of staff, unleashed a blistering attack against his former boss on Monday, confirming on the record that many of Trump's critical remarks about veterans and injured service members were indeed true. 
What can I add that's not already been said, Kelly told CNN in an exclusive statement. A person who thinks those who defend their country in uniform or are shot down or seriously wounded in combat or spend years being tortured as POWs are all suckers because there's nothing in it for them. A person that did not want to be seen in the presence of military amputees because it doesn't look good for me. The person who demonstrated open contempt for a Gold Star family, for all Gold Star families, on a TV during the 2016 campaign and ramps that are almost precious heroes who gave their lives in America's defense are losers and he wouldn't visit their graves in France. Burn in hell, Donald Trump. Burn in hell. I'll come back to you in a second. For all you veterans, old, young, who might think about saying to yourself, Vega, listen to what he just said. He does not care about you. He does not care about you. He is using you as a prop. He thinks you're worthless. He thinks you're losers. And sure, he'll welcome you up on stage. So he, well, as long as you're not an amputee. But if you've got all your limbs, he'll welcome you up on stage and, and act like I'm Mr. Military Guy. No, he's not. I watched in horror as this guy was in charge of our military and thank God for the military leadership that prevented this idiot from doing worse things that he could have already done. Trust me, after what happened in uh, Sudan, um, uh, excuse me, Niger, what happened in Niger, it was – after that, it sounds like the military clamped down and said, no, the White House is not no longer going to basically be able to dictate where things are going to go. We will make these decisions. You can give us your input, but that's just – we're not going to let you just send troops willy-nilly anywhere. And that was basically after as well uh, – was it Yemen? The, the, right after he took office, he had the disaster in Yemen as well. If you are a veteran and you are on a stage with this guy and you think, he loves the military, he doesn't. And shame on you. And you're betraying everything you supposedly stand for. You are doing that just for politics. How dare you? Now, let's get back to Tubbo, the large orange Julius. How dare you, sir? How dare you, you pathetic loser? I'm sorry daddy didn't love you. I'm sorry you've got some weird things going on inside your head where you got this issue with your daughter. I'm sorry that you really, really are messed up. And you're the narcissist of most narcissist human beings I've ever seen. You're a pathetic loser. And I saw through your little game years ago. You're a disgrace to this country. I have a lot of friends overseas. No one likes you. Well, outside of the Saudi royal family and Vladimir Putin and the, the North Korean leadership, they think you're swell because you're a dupe. You're too stupid to be the president of the United States. And how dare you disgrace the military again, you absolutely horrible human being. Damn you, sir. Damn you. You pathetic jackass. You're worthless. 
And I'm saying that as a disabled veteran. You are worthless. I might not have ever been the greatest soldier that ever served in the military, but I've got ten times more freaking heart than you do. You're a loser, and your families are losers, and I'll do everything in my power to make sure that you never see power again in this country. <sighs> no swearing. What's the score of the Twins game? 3 nothing. 3 nothing still. Native Roots Radio is up next. We're back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.